0: Hello, lovely humans. I'm YO Lee, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where people of all kinds of sexy backgrounds share their stories so that we can co-create a world where sex is not dirty and wrong, where we can listen to and relate to one another, and where we can all feel comfy being ourselves. Our guest today is a 61-year-old white Hispanic heterosexual male, maybe a bit by curious. His kinks are public sex, exhibitionism, taking nude photos of women, and Dirty Talk, a manager of a busy downtown restaurant from Washington State in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Welcome, Marty.
1: Hello, Will. How are you?
0: I'm awesome. I'm so happy that you're here. Can you start off by telling us if you had to rate yourself today on a sexual shame with 10 being the most full of shame and one being not so shamey at all, where do you fall right now?
1: Oh, I know that's your question on all the ones I listen to. I'm pretty shameful. I would guess like down in the eights, you know? Okay. Most everybody's higher, but it's like I never talk about it and whatever, so a little bit shameful.
0: Well, then I think we should extra celebrate you for being here because I think that's actually some of the natural filtration of people who make it to the podcast tend to be the less shamey ones. So I'm honored to have you here. We are honored to have you here. Do you feel comfy sharing a few words about how the shame feels to you or like how it comes up for you?
1: I honestly I'm confused with you know my history. It's like I have all these thoughts I've had and. Things I've done over the years, are they totally normal or am I really just kind of out there and weird and pervy or, you know, and so I, do. I don't share them for that reason a lot because, you know, I don't necessarily hear other people say about those things. or
0: Yeah, totally get that. Can you tell us a little bit about what your sex life is like right now? And if you have any favorite parts, what are they?
1: It's non-existent right now. COVID just shut everything down. I broke up with someone just before covid And then being in my industry, it's just been chaos and seven day work weeks. I got no time for a relationship, quite honestly.
0: Wow. Okay. That's tough for a human body. Are you at least able to pleasure yourself? Is there masturbation
1: happening? Yes. Shamefully enough. Every now and then I go into a happy ending massage parlor, you know?
0: (gasps) Okay. Well, I just want to remind you, you're in a space here where I am in full support of sex work. Obviously, I wish that things were legal and safe everywhere, but I hear you and I'm glad to hear that you are taking care of yourself and getting your needs met. How often, if you don't mind telling us, do you masturbate and do you have more of a routine or do you try to change it up ever?
1: Probably four times a week and probably more of a routine. It's always bedtime.
0: I go through phases. I'm in a phase of routine right now where I'm like, all right work on the computer I'm doing a lot of editing and then I'll be like all right gonna go take a break with the magic wand and I go through these magic wand phases where I'm just like not into the creativity and I notice that I get more stimulated when there's another partner there so I hear you it's been a stressful time can you tell us on that note what are the things that you find the most sexy what does sexy mean to you
1: I don't know if most guys feel this way but as a guy I never feel sexy Mm. so I'm just talking about what I see sexy in a woman. I like women who are confident and and wear something a little revealing, you know, not necessarily slutty, but revealing. That's uh, always exciting, you know, for me. I think that's sexy. There's a particular body style I like that, you know, nothing wrong with the others, but I tend to, uh, you know, Popeye's girlfriend, olive oil is really hot, skinny, tiny, little flat chest, you know, (laughs) the olive oil types, you know, and I always find things that, Some of my friends tell me, you know, you find odd things to like about people, but like odd little things, you know, like the crooked nose or the ears that come out of the straight hair and they can't hide them back. There's something unique about that person. I find that sexy.
0: I love that. Did I hear you correctly? You said you don't feel sexy at all, like from yourself to others or how does that, how do you feel? Yeah, I've
1: never, I've never really felt that way, you know? Mm, Okay. You know? I would imagine that would be how Mick Jagger feels, but, you know, I don't feel anything like that.
0: <laughs> okay. I see that. Okay. What about when you're touching yourself, like when you're in your own arousal? I know that when I'm turned on, I'm not like sitting there thinking like, oh, I'm so sexy right now, but it is kind of definitionally sexy. Do you ever think about that?
1: No, not really. I just have a good imagination. I generally lose myself in my imagination. So Amazing. Okay. I don't okay. think about myself. I think about situations.
0: Okay, and then can you also tell us, what is your definition of sex? Like, what counts as sex for you, either with another person or on your own?
1: Just nudity and playing, but I mean, sex is sex. It's like, you know, it doesn't have to be penetration. It's any contact, and it sounds silly, but like, you know, making out and getting a second base and all that, that's kind of sex, you know? It but, is. But, you know, you think that somebody should orgasm if it's sex, you know?
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I definitely always want there to be pleasure. Orgasms are always great. I feel like when there's an orgasm, it does usually count as sex for me. I should examine that. There's probably exceptions. Okay, so next question in our intro series. Did you ever get an explicit health and safety talk or lesson in consent when you were growing up?
1: No, never. That's one of the reasons why it inspired me to actually message you to be a guest. I listen to your program, and I can tell it's from a different generation. My generation, growing up, we didn't really have that. They had, like, you know, for another guest, say, it's the, the girls in one room, boys in another, and just talk about the reproductive system, and then you're done, you know. Yeah. And there was never, at my age, my parents didn't really talk to me about that. My friends weren't having sex, so they didn't have any information to share. We didn't have porn back then or, you know. Not that many people had cable, much less the, you know, showtime type stuff. So it wasn't accessible to us. So the only thing I had there was no internet, right? Is just (laughs) girly magazines and that was always just pictures of a girl still, you know. So there wasn't really a lot of information.
0: Wow. Hearing you say it in that encapsulated way really does highlight how big of a difference a couple of decades makes.
1: Yeah. So we were really uneducated and didn't know because I mean kid today, I mean I hear many of your guests say, well, I I Googled this and I saw that and that's how I learned. And, you know, or people were just more open about it. Back then you didn't talk about sex with anybody. It's just one of those things you just didn't do.
0: As an adult, do you have any examples or specific experiences that you can remember where there was an explicitly agreed upon yes between you and a partner that was like very sexy to you? Since a lot of us didn't give consent talks, I try to just give consent examples that
1: are super hot. Oh, man. I mean, sex is about consent, you know, and so, so many of it, I think I started kind of young from what I'm hearing from other people, started being sexually active at like age 14, 15, right in there, so pretty young. And so the things that I remember from then about consent, it's like having sex under a bridge with my teenage girlfriend was very hot, very consensual. I mean, it's outdoors, completely naked under public area. I mean, she had to be in or, you know, I mean that's a very consensual.
0: Were you guys like, there's that bridge, let's go do it? Or did you see the bridge and was it inspiration? What do you remember about it?
1: It was in the neighborhood of where she lived where we were hanging out. So it was just, you know, that walking around home. I and mean, when you're a teenager, you don't have any place to go, you know? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so you had to be outside or, you know, wait for the parents to not be there. This particular girl her mother was a pretty unique person and you know in hindsight it's kind of sad but you know she had a lot of alcohol problem drug use and that kind of thing so she was a very liberal mom we could go to her house okay and hang out her mom got her birth control and all that stuff so i had that very liberal side with the girlfriend and my parents very conservative this is you know back to the generation this is the age where there was either hippies or everybody was conservative You know, you had the free peace, love, freedom attitude, or you had the toe the line, wave the flag, you know, thump the Bible attitude, you know?
0: Wow. Okay, so now tell us, what happens to your shame a meter when it's time to talk to a partner about having safer sex? Does it spike at all? What are those conversations like for you, or how do you wish they would go?
1: That is difficult. I mean, now that I'm older, you know, it's just never been part of it it's like you know I, I ended up getting my high school sweetheart pregnant at age 17. Okay. so that kind of tells you a little bit about you know safe sex and the generation that i was in talking about safe sex and all that in fact that really didn't become a big deal in the forefront of people of my generation's mind until the hiv thing started really hitting yeah. and then people realized wow you can die from sex you know and then people started thinking about condoms but Unfortunately, I'm embarrassed to say it's not something that's really been on the forefront of my mind. And, you know, but I also in my history, I've been married twice. The first time, seven years at high school, sweetheart, and then unmarried for like about a year and a half, maybe more, more like two and a half. And then into a monogamous 17 year marriage. So
0: you didn't have to practice for a while.
1: So you didn't. Yeah. So it really wasn't that important until after we got divorced from that 17 year marriage.
0: So here's a question as a single person. Now, this is what I'm trying to figure out in dating life. This is not one of my normal questions, but just like as a dude out there, when would you ideally like that conversation to happen? Like I like to get it out of the way, but then sometimes people are like, oh, it's too fast. And so like, would you like to do it like right before or like during? Because oftentimes people are like about to finger me and I'm like, wait, let me look at your hands. Are there cuts? Are there anything, you know, like because I have a sensitive body for you when would you like that to happen? Say you're about to meet someone amazing tomorrow and maybe it gets hot and heavy at some point.
1: Yeah, I think it would be really awkward if it was like, uh, oh, let's have coffee and discuss all this in the morning and then let's go out for dinner and go back home and we're all set, you know? Okay,
0: but what if, I want your opinion on this, but what if coffee in the morning was just a first date and you'd already established, like some people love to use first dates as a chance to see what are you into sexually and maybe practice just like, touching a leg or something. And then what if that was such a turn on that you did go that night? That wouldn't be awkward, would it?
1: No, I mean, you just got to roll with whatever scenario comes your way, really. But I've never really thought about it that much. But to me, it's always a just before the moment type of discussion about, you know, find out different comfort levels. You know, it's like many women in my age group can't get pregnant, so they don't care about that. But everybody's Mm -hmm. concerned about, you know, STDs or whatever. So do use condoms, but then if you're monogamous or you're both been tested and clean, and you know it's hard to just trust somebody else to say, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm fine," you know that kind of a thing. So totally, totally,
0: I'm a big fan of barriers.
1: Generally, condoms is the best way to go till so you get really comfortable. You know,
0: beautiful. And I always just like to offer everyone out there using the phrase "clear" instead of "clean" because there's this kind of "clean dirty" thing that's not very helpful. And the reason that I bring this up so much is because there are Beautiful, lovely ladies like myself, who if you go to listen to all of the episodes, you will discover that I have herpes in my throat. So especially for blowjobs, people never want to use barriers for that. So I'm always like at the point where we're making out, we're about to do things. And then, you know, there's mouth stuff. And I'm like, wait, we need to have a conversation. And oftentimes people are like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I'm like, well, you need to know your risks from me. And so I guess I always want to just like forefront it so that everyone can make fully consensual decisions both ways. And I think that's the thing that a lot of my male partners in particular, they're not concerned about their own health in the way that my female partners are. It's just what I've noticed. And I don't have enough data with non-binary or trans people or gender fluid people. So I just like to bring awareness to all of these things. Thank you for playing with me. Any other thoughts on safer sex or like your own practices?
1: Like I said, long monogamous relationships make it a little bit different, you know, totally. but, uh, it's a generational thing. I wish I had have learned to practice safer sex, but it just wasn't kind of how I grew up. And then, you know, especially the second marriage it's like very monogamous. There was no worries, did our own birth control, ended up getting a vasectomy. It's like, so it really Ugh. wasn't an issue.
0: Love it. Okay, I want to say vasectomies are so hot because then you can do come play. You and your partner are both all clear. That's very, very great. Can I ask how old you were when you got that?
1: Well, it's probably around 45, 40, somewhere in there.
0: Nice. Okay, last question about safer sex promise. When you go on a date with someone or where you think it might get hot and heavy, do you bring the condoms? Like, do you just have them on standby or do you usually like have to get them with your partner? Like, do you decide ahead of time is that part of it or do you just like always have them on hand? And what's your favorite brand?
1: I just use Trojans as basic, but I generally do tend to have them on hand, you know, but like I said, right now, the way my world is right now, it's like, it's not something that I think, oh, this might happen. I better be ready because, you know, I'm putting in 65 hours a week, six days a week and seventh day is resting, you know, and, yeah. and all that. So there's really no- nothing out there. Oh my gosh.
0: Well, I hold the hope for you that soon your resting and replenishment can include a partner, but I know how hard it is to make that initial connection when life is like moving so fast, but
1: I hold the hope. Nobody wants to be a partner with somebody else doesn't have time for them.
0: I totally get it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Let's get into the details of your sex life. We heard a little bit about your beginnings, but can you tell us now, what is your first sex related memory?
1: Sex related memory. Well, As a little kid, I was that kid that was always, you know, getting the neighbor girl to take off her clothes and all that. But that's not really sex. That's curiosity. Curiosity. But yeah, I was always that kid, you know, and uh, getting in trouble with other people's parents and, you know, getting scolded and all that kind of stuff. But that's not sex. My first sexual things, I remember sixth grade, I had a girlfriend. We would just always be fooling around, but never really have sex. It's like we never really did sex, no penetration, but we're always naked Blow jobs, licking pussy, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, she's one of the first ones that I, like I said, little exhibitionism. So okay. we didn't have places to go all the time unless we get caught skipping school and dad would come home and, you know, I'd be in big trouble, but you know, that kind of thing. So that was my earliest one was sixth grade that partner.
0: Wow. Okay. So you were a very curious child did you just figure out that your body felt good or like do you remember how you started to think of those explorations because I think I would have been naked with partners a lot younger if I had like understood it could have been an option
1: I don't know I just think I was very curious at a young age and always found women sexually attractive you know and the culture that we grew up in is you know it was different because that's how women were portrayed too mm. on tv and in movies as more sexual objects i'm not trying to be rude but that's how it was back yeah. then so
0: i think we're all feeling the effects of that
1: still yeah when you see a girl you don't think about oh i wonder if she's smart and good at math you know you would think how i get those jeans off of her you know mm. kind of a thing. It's just always had dirty thoughts i guess even as a child you know yeah, yeah. now i make jokes and of- One day I'm in a bit older than I am dirty, but today is not that day.
0: (laughs) I love that. Do you remember in your young brain when it started to shift from like, hmm, I'm curious, this feels good. Is she naked? Into like, oh, I know what sex is. Like, was it once you saw the nudie magazines? Was it before that? Like, when do you feel like you like understood sex?
1: Probably with the second girlfriend, the one that's mom was a lot more liberal you could okay. say because then i really started understanding it because we had a place to be and it was not in that household it was like mom could be in the kitchen doing something and we'd be in the bedroom you know mom bought us andy Greenspring's springs wine and we're in there smoking weed and drinking captain chi pie stuff and her daughter's in there and we're just doing whatever we want to do you know so I guess that's when I really started understanding sex. With the first girl, it was more of a curiosity. It's like, oh, let's get your clothes off. Let's see this. Let's what you mm. know what, that. And that's kind of where the exhibitionism kind of started at an early age because with that girl in sixth grade, didn't have places to go. And this is the most bizarre thing. This is like the shame of meter okay? okay? Most bizarre thing. I don't even know how, why, what, you know why I was so perverted or whatever. But me and this girl, we're like, sixth grade you're like what 13 we're for some reason in the local kmart doing some shopping and then i got distracted and we started kissing and making out next thing i know i got her pants down around her knees in kmart aisle just fooling around making out and then this older guy comes you know i say older who knows how old he was comes walking around the corner and we got this teenage girl with her pants down to her knees and her ass out in the store, it's like, whoops, zip it up, go, let's get the hell out of here. you know? Yeah. You know, and ever since then, I've always kind of liked that kind of stuff.
0: Okay, jumping ahead for just a minute, where else have you done stuff? Have you gotten to do that more as an adult?
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. Over the years, many, many, you know, it's like I mean, theaters and public areas at work. You know, not necessarily getting caught, like I said, under the bridge, you know, at one time. The first girl of the sixth grade, we took a gondola ride over a river park. And one of my friends was with me then as we were in the gondola, I stripped her completely naked and my friends there and there's people, this is broad daylight and there's other gondolas going by. And there's this totally new girl getting groped up in the gondolas, you know, my friend felt awkward with it, but it was different. Many years later, the second wife, she had a housekeeping business. So she would clean common areas and do move out cleans for apartment in a pretty busy part of town. And I'd go help her when I had time to. And so we'd be in all these apartments that were empty. And we'd have sex in people's apartments <sighs> that we didn't know.
0: That's so hot.
1: In the stairwell or in the laundry room. And, and I mean, this is broad daylight kind of thing. You get caught easy, if you know. Yeah. yeah I guess I've always been like that, oh you know. So many, many, many stories like that that I really probably couldn't even remember all of them. The hottest one ever with the longer wife. One time we were on a road trip, it was really hot out. And so I started rubbing ice on her neck and her shoulders while she's driving. And And just kept doing that. And then things got hot and sensual. And so I unbuttoned her shirt and rubbed ice on her breasts a little and unbuttoned her shirt more. Next thing we know, she's driving completely naked in daylight, getting massage and ice and all this. you know, I don't know if anybody saw us or not. I would think so. But finally, it just got to be too much. And We pulled off at one of those roadside scenic views. Yes. And we did it right on the hood.
0: <gasps> Amazing. Oh, my gosh.
1: Lots of things like that over my career, which makes me feel like, am I normal? I don't think people do that. You know? I
0: wish more people did. I was going to say you sound very excellent at getting clothes off of people, too. I think one of my sadnesses in life is that not enough of my lovers have been eager to remove my clothes. And I love to be naked and touched. And I love that your little stories so far have that common theme. Normal. I don't know. A lot of people do stuff. But I wish you were setting those tones. Think about how hot it would be if every Vista point also had a couple fucking nearby. So you could look at that Vista. Or look at that Vista. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I wonder how much more of it happens that anybody knows.
0: Okay, what else from your formative experiences do we need to know? It sounds like you started pretty young. Do we need to know specifics about like enjoying oral sex for the first time? Any other good firsts? Any other things? Like once you started getting into teenage sex years after that second partner, were there other partners after that? Or was that the partner that became your first wife? Well, I've had
1: plenty when I was a teenager. Okay. But I remember the first time I ever got a blowjob, and it wasn't to finish or anything. It was really an unusual situation, very strange. Okay. I went to go visit my sister in Southern California, and her husband's little brother was visiting too. But he actually lived there. He wasn't visiting, he lived there. And so him and I got to be friends. Apparently, there was this neighbor girl, and he said, Oh, come on, you know, meet this girl. We both got in the car, and her goal in life, i probably, she had watch too much porn or something, but she wanted to grow up to be a hooker or a porn star. And so she was just sucking us both off in the car. Didn't ask for nothing. It was just do it, you know, and uh, I didn't finish. Apparently my friend knew her for a while, but that was kind of the first blowjob experience I actually remember. And that's a strange first experience, you know, total stranger jump in a car with another guy in there who said, Oh, by the way, I have this friend, she does this, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. Let's see what it's like. You know,
0: how was that for you as a formative blowjob experience? Were you able
1: to enjoy it, or was it just so strange? It was so strange. Like I said, I didn't orgasm. It was just kind of strange. It was like, oh, interesting. Okay, that's what's supposed to happen. Okay. You know, did that
0: influence follow-up blowjobs after that? Were they different for you once you were like, oh, here's what it's like when it's a girlfriend or a partner I've chosen?
1: I don't know. I don't know if it's really any different. It's just you know that was just an odd experience.
0: Here's a question. Back in the day, did you know to go down on women? How did that enter your sphere? Was that in magazines? Like, when did that start happening for you? Assuming it did at some point.
1: Well, yeah. Back then, everybody would, you know, Dear Penthouse type letters. Mm -hmm. Because you don't buy those magazines for the pictures, right? Just the writing. (laughs) The good writing. those little letters. Those would talk about things like that. And so then you'd learn. And then also, like I said, that first go for some reason, we never had sex. We did a lot of playing. But it took us a while to actually have sex, like there was something, a bridge to cross, you know. Mm-hmm. So we did a lot of oral together before having sex.
0: Wow, so that was literally part of your early experiences. Okay, amazing. Do you identify as kinky? Like, public sex is kind of a kink, but do you identify as kinky in any way, shape, or form? I like to just know if people think of themselves as kinky or vanilla.
1: I don't think I'm vanilla. So if those are the two choices, I'd guess more towards kink. So.
0: Do you think there's a the third choice? I've been noodling on this lately because I'm like, what about people who aren't super kinky but are not regular vanilla? And then also, do you think vanilla is a bad word? Because someone recently, we were having a discussion and I don't think it's a bad word.
1: I don't know if it's bad. It sounds boring, hmm. but it doesn't okay. mean bad. Because you know? yeah. it can be a lot of good stuff with vanilla too. At least, you know, you're safe with each other and comfortable.
0: Sensual with, deliciousness.
1: You know, you might have a better personal bond because you know sexual bonds don't really last you kind of have to have a personal bond with a person to me mm-hmm. but like you're asking about kink it's like i hear some of your guests on your show i'm like oh my god i've never done that or you know that's pretty wild or you know multiple partners or go to a sex club where there's people you don't know and mm-hmm. i would never think of that and or i wouldn't feel comfortable there probably yeah. and says you're not really very kinky you're more on the vanilla side of the scale when you hear some of the things other people have done.
0: Well, it's just a spectrum. It's like we have pockets of kink, I think.
1: The polyamorous with, you know, multiple partners and all that kind of stuff. It's like that. I mean, I've never really experienced and I'm not sure I'd feel comfortable. When I was first married at age 18, me and my wife had a couple of threesome foursomes, which were fun, but it was really awkward because when you're 19 years old, you don't really know how to do any of that. When you're that young, you can't really be mature about it. It just ended up leading to, you know, a lot of like the Fleetwood Mac rumors album kind of a thing within the dynamics of the friends and, and all that kind of stuff. So it got to be really weird where, you know, somebody would be over at my home, have a sex with my wife while I'm at work and, you know, that kind of stuff because the doors were all open, which I don't really regret. You know? And there were some times I cheated on her and just casual sex with, you know, somebody the neighbors had over, you know, kind of a thing. So. That wasn't, you know, really great. It lasted seven years, but we did a lot of different kinky stuff, you know, with my friends coming over and having sex with her, and she would fool around outside of that, too, you know? Okay. I guess I did a little bit as well, because we're just too young to know any better. The second, there was nothing outside the relationship for either of us for 17 years. Oh,
0: really? Okay. So, fully monogamous. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health, but if proper rest, exercise, and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises, and the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. I am so fascinated by your whole life. So your first wife, you got pregnant at 17. Did I get that right? Okay. But then you also were doing all of this like exploratory sort of sexy group stuff. Well, I guess while you had a baby or a toddler when you were 19. How did you know to do those things? Magazines, talking, like you sound very creative and
1: adventurous. Magazines, you know, people talking about it. I mean, you know, there was the the hippie peace love generation where multiple partners was normal and Mm -hmm. all that. I mean, you're 19 years old and you know, you look at people sexually, you know, you're a lot more juiced up about it. And I don't know, it was just she was liberal enough and she got around a bit, and so she was like down for it. And then the problem was my friend actually really had a crush on the wife. And the girl he was dating was also a pretty liberal girl, so he would be able to say, Hey, yeah, you know, why don't we get those two to uh, get with us and we'll you know, we'll do four. And that was fun. We did that a few times, but the girl, she's like warned me. And she said, you know, you got to be careful because he is really in love with your wife. This isn't just, you know, for fun. Oh, wow. And that's what made it kind of weird. Okay. It would have been different if it was just for fun.
0: Yes. That gives a lot of context.
1: You know, but then it becomes competitive and talking about trust and, I mean, trust for my friend, trust for my wife. You yeah. Know, that kind of stuff.
0: That to me encapsulates a lot of the scary worst case scenario, Polly, narratives that people who talk to me have can I ask what your shame a meter or emotional landscape was like at that time if you can project a memory of a feeling onto it like do you remember as all that stuff was happening where you're like wow I'm living this free life of love or was there self-judgment present or was there sort of like what was your emotional
1: landscape I I was probably less shameful and more open then than I am now because you know it's just I didn't know any different and that's just how it was and that's how it went down you know Mm. We were always partying too, lots of you know beer drinking and weed smoking. And so it didn't mess- necessarily, my mind was pretty clouded and open to a lot of things too. Totally. You know, so. Okay.
0: So what happened next? Like you got out of that relationship. Where did the shame come from?
1: I really don't know. Maybe because I couldn't keep the relationship going. So mm-hmm. maybe sexually, you know, because she had other partners and stuff, maybe that was part of it. I guess part of it too, this is, you know, you marry somebody, you actually love them. Most people, you know, hopefully, and you break up after seven years, and there's a lot of pain and hurt and resentment and those kind of things that make it hard to adjust into the next part of your life, which I look back and go, God, I'm glad all that happened. So many good things have happened since. So there's never any reason to look back and go, Oh, poor me, this is terrible what I'm experiencing. Because just around the corner, there's some cool stuff, I would have never got to do a lot of stuff I did had other things not happen but feeling guilty about the relationship ending doesn't make you feel very sexual or wanting to start a relationship and so then it became more of a one night stand type of an attitude to what i was doing sexually so it's like you know i just wanted to do that i didn't want a girlfriend i just wanted to meet girls you know and Mm -hmm. so that was kind of what that was like for a few years okay
0: How did you meet them? You had to just go out and meet people, right? There were no apps back then.
1: Well, you meet people at bars or, you know, lived in apartment complexes. And when you're the young partying crowd, you get to know everybody who's the young partying crowd in your apartment complex and you start hanging out and their friends come over and you meet people that way, you know, mostly that's the old fashioned way. We didn't have, you know, online dating or profiles or, you know, adult friend finders things you actually had to talk to people at parties and get to know them.
0: Yeah. No swiping through endless options and wondering if something better is just around the corner.
1: (laughs) In person, you you get that chemistry, you know, you just get online looking at a picture. You can when you see somebody, you can look at them differently all of a sudden.
0: Absolutely. And it's better for our dopamine system when we meet the person in person, because online we have this sort of like excitement. And then usually by the time we meet them, unless the magical circumstances have happened where we've sustained it, it's sort of like poofs away, that initial excitement. I love meeting people in person.
1: Nobody even tells the truth about themselves online. I don't think any of us do, you know, so. Well, it's impossible.
0: Here's what I learned after three and a half years of attempting to tell people exactly what I'm like as much as possible with words. It doesn't matter how accurately I do it. It doesn't matter what I write on my profile. There's going to be a combination of like my projection and their projection. That means like we just need to meet each other and see if we're like real people. Online dating is so tricky. Because
1: you can be with some people That you see all the time and never see him that way and then i'm just gonna talk from recent experience okay my boss she's very pretty woman around 35 she's very interesting you know i've always just been friendly and professional with her and all that but then one day i come to work and it's her day off but she's in her office and i just saw her completely different she had this cute little baseball cap on the yellow top and it's like my god girl you are hot and Ever since then, it's been a little bit different at work, you know, and our chat has been a little bit different at work and it's been much more flirty between the two of us and all this. And it's like, it was all fine until that one day I just have, you know, see her and then I just saw her differently, you know, so Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen online.
0: Yeah, totally. In my favorite version of the world, there is more of that like in-person surprise moments because that makes life juicier, even if nothing ever comes of it. I love that little like spark. I also do have a history of, always fucking someone at work like from my first on-campus job to bartending to like being on set like i always like have a showman or a work romance probably not allowed in most workplaces but that's the benefit of gets artisty things yeah you there, have to
1: be so many relationships start that way my second wife i met her working a restaurant she was a 17 year old hostess i'm a 27 year old server and you know i would keep sneaking adult milkshakes up to the host stand for <laughs> and then we finally started Going out and everything and, you know, then we ended up running off together and getting married, you know. So
0: what was it like to have sex with the same person for 17 years? Did I get that right?
1: Yeah, 17 years. And it was great because we could really grow a lot of things. But I was also coming from a past relationship where I had experiences other than that. So I had something to compare it to. Whereas she didn't, she was 17 years old, you know, and so she didn't have that. And I think that kind of led to a demise many years later because her youth, she didn't get to explore, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas I got to explore plenty, but I enjoyed it because you really kind of learn each other, you know, exactly what works for each other. You know what each other will do. You kind of know the timing of when to ask for something wild, like, you know, at the apartment complex, you know, today, a good day to get naked in the stairwell and take your picture or are we just vacuuming today? You know, you get to know, you know, what the feel is and the mood and that kind of stuff a lot better with each other and have insight to what each other like. And I liked the 17 years monogamous. I did because we had good sex life. You know, I was
0: going to say, it sounds like you two were really
1: compatible. Yeah. So if you're going to have good sex, why ruin it by seeking somebody else who might not be ruin the whole trust and all that kind of stuff.
0: Totally. Was that when your erotic photography kink began, or had you been taking Nakey pictures before then?
1: Mostly with her, but my first wife, she would let me take some Polaroids, but then she cut them all up with scissors because oh. she you know, didn't like the look, but, okay. you know, nasty stuff. You know, those Coke bottles that you get at the carnival that they stretch, they melt and stretch. I don't even know if you, that's an old thing. You'd win those for like throwing the darts or whatever. Yeah. She had one of those and she would use it as a dildo watching... 19 year old girl do that it's like you know click yeah, I love those p- pictures so those are the first ones but yeah wow. really none other because well, you know everything was Polaroid right then or you had to take it to the film developing place and then everybody's gonna see them you know totally totally
0: I think naked Polaroids are one of the hottest things personally
1: yeah I had those and then she liked it she liked posing for him and I liked taking them. and so we had many 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 you know <sighs> that's amazing
0: I should also say for our listeners, for health and safety purposes, don't put glass in your vagina. Don't do it. The first night that I was taking naked pictures for my former master, luckily a friend came over. called, was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm taking some erotic pictures. And I was about to like do some sexy stuff with glass. And he was like, do not do this. So there are glass sex toys. Those are safe to use. Things that can break inside. We have to be really careful of. Are there sex toys that you have used that you like that are not glass bottles (laughs) with partners?
1: Always just the basic vibrator, you know, type stuff.
0: Okay. Anything for yourself? Have you ever gotten a special like penis toy or anything? anything? No, never. Okay. (gasps) Okay. If I had a penis, people keep writing me about Tenga eggs and I am very curious about them. So if I had a penis, I would probably go check those out. I saw just like rows of them last time I went to a sex shop. I guess it's something you can put your penis into and have a sensation. Does that mean that you're just very happy with your hand?
1: Yeah, I've never really thought of anything different like that. It's just fine. Love it.
0: So tell us some of the details of your body. Specifically, what does it like to feel? Where are your sensitive parts? And those are going to be like the sexy specifics that are obvious, but also other erogenous zones.
1: I mean, I've never been one to have a lot of touching. Tell you a little bit about me. I'm bipolar and I didn't get it diagnosed till mid 40s. Okay. And so a lot of the weird stuff that happened to me in my life were actually bipolar manic or depressive moments that led me into doing some stupid stuff. Mm, okay. And also, with that in mind, it's like I got to this thing where it's like, I didn't really like people to touch me. I used to actually, and this is after second marriage starting, it's like, don't touch me unless you want to fight me or fuck me. I'd say, I don't want to be touched. Okay. And this was one of those weird things in my mentally ill head mm-hmm. that I would stick with. And so I never really liked touching. So Now that I've broken that down and I'm no longer that person, I've learned what my problems were and I'm different. When somebody, you know, a massage, oh my God, that same boss that I'm talking about earlier, I had a real bad pain in my neck and she came up behind me and just started massaging it. And it's like, it just about fucking came, you know? (laughs) It's like- amazing. I just wanted to just drift. It's like, it felt so good just to, you know, get a simple thing like a neck massage. So touching like that is something I would- kind of shut down for a long, long time. Okay. So that's good.
0: I do want to actually say I'm so glad that you got a diagnosis and treatment. I just listened to a Huberman Lab episode on bipolar, and I did not realize that 1%, which is a huge portion of the population, suffers from some kind of bipolar. And the suicide rate is something like 20 or 30% more likely than the average person. So glad you got diagnosed glad you got it treated and I have been just making more of an effort to kind of say those types of mental health things that I'm learning out loud so other people can seek treatment
1: everybody's different so Mm -hmm. I kind of learned to embrace mine when I found out at first it was kind of like oh my god that's why I've done all those stupid wild crazy things you know and got a little embarrassed about some of my past behaviors not all just sexual just other things too yeah now I get embarrassed and shame of meter it's like oh I have this Mental disorder, and you know, I'm ashamed of it, and that's why I did these stupid things. And how do I prevent them in the future? And you know, right. you start to second guess yourself about everything. But oh, totally. I've learned to just embrace it because you know, part of that too is it's part of my personality. That's how I accomplish some of the things that I accomplish. Mm. So maybe the bipolar is a blessing in some things. So
0: our brains lead us to where we are, and if it means that you had some sex and some stairwells, it's pretty cool. Yeah,
1: so you can't look back and regret anything, you know. But try to protect yourself from bad things because like you said, I've had plenty of suicidal thoughts and I have woke up in hospitals from doing something too stupid and that kind of stuff. And those are manic moments that were destructive.
0: Well, we are glad that you are here today. And I'm glad that we have an opportunity to kind of hear your words about how it's affected not just your sex life, but your whole life, which the whole life does affect the sex life is more I'm learning from people.
1: Maybe that's the shame meter thing. The bipolar is probably the shame of meter thing because I don't really know who I am. Yeah. Was this me or was this an alternate ego in me that did these things? And so I don't know if it's me that's ashamed or, if, you know, which one of them. It, you know, so totally. I think that's why like, shame of is pretty
0: high. I can really relate to that, too, especially when it comes to seeking partnership, because then I'm like, what am I even offering another person when I get into those moments of self judgment, too? And not knowing yourself for me is a scary thing. Thank you for sharing about all of that tender stuff. Truly. Back to the physical parts of our body. Are there specific kinds of penetration that you enjoy giving or receiving? That question really is like, do you have favorite parts of like fucking either pussies or assholes? And or are you open to your asshole being played with and or throats?
1: I really love a woman's ass. Let's like love it. You know, I haven't had that many partners, but I've been able to have anal like four different partners. None of them extensively, though. So I never really got to where it's like, oh, I know this or what it's about. Yet. But I do like it. This one girl I had a long-term relationship with after the second divorce bought her a vibrator. And she's a very conservative person and family values. And I'll I'll just simply say she came from mainland China and she had very different values. Mm -hmm. So she would not use that vibrator. She was actually offended that I got it for her and she wouldn't let me use it. Okay, but one day she took it out and she used it on my ass and I'm like oh my god I loved it
0: amazing
1: I thought well at first I'm like well maybe I let her do that then that's maybe her way of saying oh, okay well let's see if I can use it on me then if it works on you yeah she never did but she <gasps> would break it up from time to time but first I was hesitant but I'm like oh my god that felt great I love that
0: what good fortune you got to discover another pleasure
1: hasn't happened that
0: much. But your shame meter didn't go up so high that it stopped you from experiencing that pleasure. That's kind of incredible. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor. And they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice. So I am very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know the Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires, and find like-minded people? This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Fleur. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories, so they downloaded Fleur and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Fleur's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires floor app celebrates the beauty of open minded connections it's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment for couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring floor invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold download floor now express your desires freely and find like-minded people today
1: yeah i mean in a bed my shame of meter not there i don't
0: think <laughs> i love that i love that like
1: you're asking me right now when i'm fully clothed in my living room talking to you it's like yeah i feel pretty ashamed you know okay later on i had this other girlfriend and she was wild one oh my god like too much wild one okay i told her that story about the other girlfriend and she used one on me and it's fucking awesome that's the only two times but yeah it's like i really enjoyed it and it's like that's a weird thing to ask somebody to do but you know i wouldn't mind it
0: I don't know if it's weird. Actually, I think most of the partners that I have spoken to recently, especially dudes who are getting into their 50s and 60s, they're pretty open to butt stuff. I think the Internet has helped open up a lot of assholes. Mine is one of them. I love anal play both directions. If you ever do go get a toy for yourself, I've heard some good things from some of our guests about the like vibrating spinning ones that go inside their prostate massagers. So I'm just throwing that out there. I've heard some cool stuff. You don't have to wait for another partner to want to play with it.
1: I won't say that I haven't tried that on my own, quite honestly. felt good. So it's like, you know, I'm jerking off I do that. And it's like, oh, my God. And, you know, I was embarrassed to myself. But it's like, damn, that felt good, though.
0: Oh, yeah. Here's the thing. If I were a penis owner, I would Absolutely. Just because I'm curious and love to try stuff, I would absolutely be trying to do what I keep reading about, which is divorcing ejaculation from orgasm. And that's why, you know, doing some research, there are men who using the pleasure that comes out of the prostate are able to come multiple times and maybe they don't ejaculate every time or maybe they don't. I don't know. I still have not gotten extensive research for the partner in person, but this is kind of one of the things that I want to learn next is more of the ass play stuff. So. If you do more research, we're always curious for updates. What about dirty talk?
1: I love it. My second wife, she would just love to hear stories because she was a virgin when we met. She had only been with me. And so Mm -hmm. much later in our relationship, she would love to hear stories about her having sex with strangers or getting felt up by a couple of men or, you know, just, she would love those stories. So I would tell them to her while we're having sex and she would just get off so good because she liked it. And then I think we were both kind of thinking we should just do this, but then we got to the divorce stage of it all, where there was too much anger and moved on. We could have grown that had we been more mature and worked through some things. We could have grown that, but yeah, learned a lot of dirty talk with her. And then this one's really weird. Shame-a-meter again. One time, you know, this is you know, before the internet, there was still internet then, but it wasn't a problem, but they had those uh, sex phone lines, right? Mm-hmm. I got her to call one, one time and talk dirty with these guys while I was fooling around with her in bed and giving her head and massage and just, you know, fucking her and all that. And she got four guys off, just audio style while we're fooling around. And that fucking turned me on big time. And we didn't have a speakerphone. It was a landline. So all I could hear was what she was saying. But it was hot as can be. And she, she just she says, no, I didn't like it. I didn't want to do it again. And I just always wondered if maybe she did it again. But when she wasn't with me, which like she oh. was masturbating and did it. Uh, I was. I kind of hope she did. Mm. You know?
0: Wouldn't you be able to tell from phone? How does it work? How do you pay with those phone things?
1: Because girls call for free. Or at least oh, they did
0: that. cool. Okay. I was going to say, I'd never heard of male ones, but of course those must exist.
1: But yeah, that was fucking hot. Talking about dirty talk, listening to her get four guys off while I'm fooling around with her. But she didn't do it again. I would love to do that again.
0: That's amazing. I hope you have the opportunity.
1: Especially now with speaker phones instead, you know?
0: With speaker phones, yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't wait for you to meet someone who's like your flavor of kinky. It's going to be great. <laughs> Amazing. What other turn ons or turn offs have we not gotten to, or other stories that you want to share that we haven't gotten to?
1: Well, the bi curious thing is really kind of weird for me right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. It comes from a few spots, I think, but like way back when I was a teen, before I got married, one of the people, you know, my friends, we were just talking about my girlfriend at the time, who was kind of my wife, about me having sex with her. Mm -hmm. And it was hot. And it's like, you know, we were both, you know, I was enjoying telling the story. And I, asked if I could suck his cock and he said, I can't return the favor, but go ahead. You know? And I did. And that was the first time ever. And I don't know what prompted that, but I did it. And I actually enjoyed it. I finished him with the hand job. I didn't, you know, but we never spoke a word of it again. We never did it again. No comment. Like it never happened. Never happened again. But I think back and it's like, I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. Then not long after that, horny teenager, I'm hanging around by an adult bookstore, which I shouldn't have been, but this guy invites me in and, uh, you know, says he'll buy me a magazine, come on, come on in. So I go in, we go into a video booth and he pulls out his penis and I gave him a hand job. Mm -hmm. And so that was my late teen 17 did that. And uh, I was really kind of ashamed of that one, but at the same time it was quite a turn on total stranger. It's like, it was really weird. Then never did nothing like that again, you know, for for many, many years until divorce of the second wife. When I told you I had all those photos, Mm -hmm. she didn't mind me sharing them at first, but then she said no. But she actually would like looking at because we'd post them and then guys would make comments about her and she liked reading that and, you know, some of them. Did what you call a tribute on her, like like jerk off video on. I picture.
0: love that. I love like, tribute honors on her
1: picture, and she would see those and she would get real turned on by them and all that. But I tell you, me seeing a cock coming on her picture or over her picture because they would send pictures back like that, got me interested in cock, but nothing else. I I don't look at a man and go, hmm, he's handsome yeah, or wouldn't yeah. want to touch him or whatever. I just wouldn't mind sucking the cock, And so some of those guys that we had shared those with, I had invited over one guy. He was looking at them with me and I didn't want to bring him into my apartment. So we met in the common area laundry room, like at midnight and looking at her pictures and I jerked him off talking about it. And then another guy that had been in talk with us, invited him over and in the cabana area, play pool downstairs There's a sauna area. We went down to the sauna and I actually sucked him off and he didn't have a condom on and anything, but we went down and it's like pretty much a stranger. And I'm in the common area, much exhibitionism thing again and brought him downstairs and I sucked him off and I finished him with the hand job. And then the last and only other experience was very similar, but I invited this guy up into my apartment and he wore a condom. Mm-hmm. and I was so much more comfortable with it and he would you know s- stand up and I was on my knees and just sucking cock and I liked it and you know he came because he had the condom on, so I wasn't worried about it yes. and it was like I really enjoyed it but then I was really ashamed of it mm-hmm. and then I just kind of stopped that altogether but I can't say I don't think about that from time to time or how else I could do that but like I said I'm not the least bit interested in a guy I don't look at them like that i i wouldn't want a guy fucking my ass that doesn't appeal to me oh i wouldn't mind a woman pegging me with the strap on but i wouldn't want a guy doing it okay you know and it's so that's just kind of weird kind of no i don't think it's weird but i i wouldn't mind sucking a cock and that's and that's it and then, okay i'm done thank you go you know like hey you know you uh trade me Hanging up those shelves over there, I'll suck your cock, and that's your payment. and Go, yeah, you know? <laughs> because I, I wouldn't mind sucking a cock, but I don't want to hang out with a guy friend like that. Or totally, totally different. It's just, and I don't, I'm not turned on by the thought of a guy sucking me.
0: It's, I was going to you know. ask that. Okay, you're not, not at all. No. Yeah. What about in a situation where it's like an orgy and you don't know who's who because you're blindfolded?
1: <laughs> that would be different. I mean, I guess that would be ideal to have some couple that. I get invited into, and you know, one girl and two guys, and we could explore that way.
0: That yeah, would be interesting. I read a book recently called Tell Me What You Want by Justin Lehmuller, who also has a podcast. And it was there that I really started to understand the difference between heterosexual and heteroflexible, and then also just homosexual. <laughs> I did not understand. The idea of hetero flexible, there can be many people that identify as straight, but given a sexual situation, their turn on is wider and may include people with body parts that are similar to or different from, their, you know, whatever, whatever their actual sexual identity is. So it sounds like.
1: I've never heard that word. That's better than yeah. bi-curious. Yeah. Bi-curious infers that, you know, I'd like to try something and go farther and see what this felt like. And maybe just, you know, it's like, I'm not by curious, I guess I'm hetero flexible
0: Yeah, it sounds like that to me, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I recently just like learned the nuance of that phrase and understood it for myself. And also, everyone uses their own definition, so I like to talk about it. Okay, so, Marty, all of this makes me think, though, that you might be a great candidate for a sex party or a play party, but I heard you say that that's not something you're necessarily interested in. Is that right?
1: I'm not. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, best thing to do is just be honest no, i totally feel a little embarrassed because i'm much smaller down there than oh. i mean it works fine i've never had any problem with it you know and that kind of thing and so i'm, I'm blessed that ed is not an issue for me at my age and whatever but it's not big so it's always like if you go to those sex parties it's like i'm going to be there and there's only some guy with 12 inches i'm gonna go oh my god why am i here oh you know, that kind okay. of thing so that kind of makes me a little bit more shy about some things okay you know.
0: if we lived in a society that was different where everyone was like we love small penises because you can fuck us as hard as you want and they asshole, well, and i don't have to worry you know most people don't want a giant cock or most vagina owners i know and talk to are not looking for huge cocks if you theoretically lived in a different society where we didn't have all that weirdness would you want to go or or would you be open to like a small curated space with people you like because it sounds like group play could still be a fun thing for you or do you feel like that's era of the past
1: probably would but it would have to be like not like the poly thing where like oh one day we're going to be at a cocktail party together and socializing and the next day we're going to be stripping off all of our clothes i'd almost rather it be anonymous kind of a thing and safe because that would be that would be more comfortable to me okay. you know much like saying going for happy ending massages it's like i don't know these women yeah you know but i found that and this is horrible to say. Sometimes a good, happy ending massage is cheaper than a girlfriend, and it's a lot easier to deal with. You get the massage you That's want. That's just practical. You get yeah. You call the shots. Do what you want to do. So you don't have to worry about all those other things. It's very practical, which you know isn't ideal. But there's something different like about it. I never did it before. I always had to earn the sexual relationship to some degree, and the way you don't. So
0: I mean, you still have to be like there still is an energetic exchange, which I think is important. How did you decide where to go? Did you like Google it? Did you like hear about it? And do you go to the same person or place?
1: I don't have a lot of friends, guy friends, because I'm too busy and all that. So I didn't get any recommendation. It's just in my neighborhood. There's just so many massage spas all over the place. And I actually went to get a massage because my body was pretty beat up from all the work and other things. And so I actually went to get the massage. But of course, I was curious and optimistic. Hey, maybe it's a happy ending massage. I don't know. I don't know anything about this and I don't want to get arrested or whatever. I had no idea. So I went for the massage and turns out uh, it was really easy to get more than the massage. And I was like, oh, okay, I get this now. So I went back another time. and
0: Did they offer? What was the easy part? Because I'm like, how does it happen? How do people get offered drugs or massages or happy endings? Like what was it like?
1: It's it's basically just a massage, but there's also a nice shower table, which I love. It's nice and spoiling you with the shower table and, you know, they dry you all off and take care of you like that. But, but really it's like the massage is hour for $60. And then they like, oh, you want a tip? You know, you can tip. Okay. Committing to the tip is how you say, yeah, I'd like more. That's
0: what I, that's the piece I was missing. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, went bunch of few in my local area. And when I like more than the others and I'm just comfortable there, you know. So
0: great. great. Are you a porn user at all? Do you watch it? Do you like it? I like
1: porn. but uh, I don't watch as much as I, you know, i I, I have many times. It's just I'm I'm busy all the time. But of the porn that I do like, I almost prefer stills than Me too. porn. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm old school, I guess, maybe my old Polaroid fetish or whatever. So I, I like stills and I like of everyday women. I don't really like the heavy makeup star, you know, she's doing all her screaming because it's an acting script kind of a thing. I I like just the girl next door, everyday woman, you know, kind of pics and videos. To me, those are much more interesting. But if I was going to say a different genre, it's like Asian. I have a thing for Asian girls, you know? Okay. So.
0: Okay. What else about your sex life do we need to know that we don't know already?
1: Talking about history of exhibitionism, my second wife, I'd met her very young and I think she really did like it. She had no idea, but I introduced it to her. But I can remember she was 18. We ran off together, age 18 or so. We were walking home, we walked by a playground and I stripped her naked and had her holding onto the slide and I fucked her on a slide at the playground, doing that and, and she liked it. And then, you know, another time we were making out outside of the apartment and uh basically had her pretty much stripped down and then these some guys come back from a beer run and they walk right by and there she is totally open and they just walked on by there they took an eyeful but they walked on by their apartment to go back you know their beer run but i think she liked those things and so ever since it's like always like at that apartment complex it'd be daytime and it's a busy street you know with a lot of cars and foot traffic in the area and get her in front of the window and take off her clothes and she'd be standing in the window in daytime like two three floors up where you know people don't generally look two three floors up or whatever but when you're the one doing it it's like she would be so turned on because I'd make her stand there in front of the window and I'd be behind her you know licking her pussy from behind you know and lots of hotel window type stuff like that and I really enjoyed that and I think she did too and then the dirty stories later on all kind of fit together but she it liked being public. Uh, she gave me a blowjob in a packed theater one time and out in a park, very popular foot traffic park in broad daylight. And
0: wow. you know, just
1: lots of things like that. I'd love it when she'd go around without a bra and the guys would be looking at her nipples. I loved that watching other That's men look at her bits
0: Amazing. How did she give blowjobs in these? Like, was it like, how were those sneaky? Or was it not sneaky at all? Was she just like, they're doing the it thing? It
1: was sneaky. Yeah. We just do it.
0: Can I ask you a couple of small penis questions? Sure. Just because very few people will talk about it. And I do get a lot of messages from a lot of sweet penis owners who have smaller penises and are like basically saying good things and like, yay, we're good. But when did you know, with air quotes, that it was air quotes, small?
1: Hmm. Hard to say. I don't know. You have to do showers in PE class in junior high and high school, so maybe then, but as far as really knowing, I mean, it's probably just from pictures of porn, you know, looking at other people's and that, and then you're comparing it probably to the wrong person at that point.
0: So that's my question. How do you know you're small?
1: I don't know. It's just, I mean, I know it's not big, but I'm not really worried about it because, like I said, I'm not Mr. Notches in the Bedpost guy, but I've had plenty of partners over the years, and... I haven't had complaints from any of them and, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So it, it stays hard, it, you know, it, everything works fine on it. It's like it'd be different if I had a 10-inch, but I couldn't get it up at my age and have to take Viagra. I don't need any of that, which is fine if you do, but I, I'm blessed that I don't need to. So mm-hmm. I've never had any troubles with it. It works just fine. It gets the job done. But, you know, it's one of those things. That it's a stigma that I guess guys get taught or untaught. You know, I never thought of it much.
0: I want to talk about it more just because I've gotten a few. I'm catching up on email, so I'm reading the email at the same time. I want to also just say, in my own personal experience, a lot of my partners who think that they're small are like pretty average. And just numbers wise, I think the US national average is like five point something inches. And so it's like that's not small, actually. But most people who I have dealt with personally who think that they're small have just watched so much porn and they don't understand that most ladies don't want something that's above seven you know like it's like that's kind of a max for a lot of people everyone's different there are definitely size queens but most of the people who i have dealt with in my personal life think they're small they actually have great size cocks that if they were bigger i would get poked so just want to presence that wrapping up What are your sexual hopes for yourself going forward, whether it's specific fantasies or just general, here's how I want my sex life to be the rest of my life?
1: I just hope that I can find somebody who I can be myself with and be a little kinky and is okay with it, but they're busy enough with their own world that sex isn't the end all beat all for everything. And they're fine with, you you know, my restaurant manager thing. It's like, I don't have a lot of time. So it has to be somebody who's confident on their own, who's not needy, who's like, you know, oh, you didn't call me five times today. It's like, I don't do that. You know, it's just not what I do. I can love somebody without that. But it's hard to find the person that's accepting, especially getting to be my age, because there's so many more rules. When you're a teenager, you don't have all those barriers and rules and things brought up in your head. But at my age, you know, People have these certain things, uh, he has to have a newer car or, you know, bank account, or I only like a guy who's, you know, over 5'8", or, you know, all these rules, you see it on the dating sites, you know, Mm. he can't smoke or he can't, you know, no 420 and all these, you know, so many rules that women my age have that younger women don't.
0: Isn't it amazing how many dating profiles say, "I don't want this, none of that," and they spend very little energy
1: focusing on what they do want?
0: That's something I find fascinating and about they, dating and Who profiles. they
1: really are, because it's like, "I love this and that and the other." Thing. You do not. You're just saying the <laughs> things you think are right. You know. I don't know. I would like to find somebody like that who's you know comfortable not having to be owned by each other. A lot of freedom in your personal. You yeah. know, and yeah. uh, that would be great. And somebody who's kinky and unusual enough and willing to do those fun things. But I'm horrible. So I don't know if I've got spoiled or not. I just like younger girls. And I've been lucky enough. Like I said, when my second wife, she was 17, I was 27. Got out of that relationship and uh, had a few girlfriends. One is still my great friend. She's wonderful. But the other girls, like 30 years younger than me, not not like 25 years younger than me. And, you know, she was 22 and. I started dating her. We were together for like seven, eight years. And the other one that was really wild and kinky, I mentioned she was 29, 28, I'm 52, Mm -hmm. you know, so I've gotten spoiled like that. So I got to find somebody who maybe who's my age, who's open enough, but the boss that I have a crush on right now, she's 35, you know, so that's a hard thing for me because I don't feel my age. I feel very young for my age. So
0: that's what I was going to say. Age is a number and it's For me, more important that someone has a similar lifestyle and value system because that actually affects our bodies way more than anything else. Like, I just want to find someone whose habits are kind of compatible with my own. Also, as a person who's dated people that are 10, 20, 30 years older than herself over the course of many ages, all from the point of being legal onward, I think it's fine. I don't think we need another
1: reason to judge ourselves. That would be nice.
0: Fuck yeah. Do you have any final thoughts on sex in general that you want to share?
1: Trying to re- figure out whether my stuff is normal or if I'm a little weird or, you know, that's. How
0: are you going to try to figure it out, do you think?
1: I don't know. Talking to you helps. You know, that's one way.
0: You seem like a normal pervert to me, like a normal good kind of pervert who's thoughtful and horny and have a lot that just just I'm not a professional. No, am I a professional? I'm not a professional labeler of people, but I do talk to people about sex a lot. And I don't think you should be worried. I can really relate to what it feels like to be very horny and curious and kinky and full of desire and not be surrounded by people who also feel that. And I judged myself for a long time, like pretty much up until last year. Well, since this podcast, I finally started making friends that like honor and celebrate the horny, kinky parts of myself that I felt like I could never bring out into the open. And so I'm still kind of like, Well, for me, it's a life integration, but most people, it's kind of not public. So I don't think you're weird. I don't think you need to worry. It's just my two cents. No, that's good. awesome. (laughs) Okay. If you could go back in time and give Younger You a piece of sex advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say?
1: Probably like early 20s, like right getting out of the divorce and telling myself, you know what? People are more interested in being friends and having relationships. And if you can have sex doing that, great and learn that women are just as horny as you are because it's with for a guy it's always like we have this challenge that we have to you know break down and make her want and it's like you know they actually want to say yes they just have to fight to say no they actually want to say yes as much as we do
0: it's got to be a nice circumstance
1: yeah they they have more to lose you know so yeah if i would teach myself that i probably would have had a lot more confidence with women because i you know sometimes you get afraid you're going to get shut down or whatever it's like just go for it. Don't be afraid because don't be afraid to get shut down. You know, and realize that they're humans just like you, you're actually probably the same exact just have different body parts, but they think dirty thoughts and they like kinky stuff. And, you know, if I could teach myself that I probably would have been a lot more successful with relationships and stuff because I did learn it later, you know, but so now I actually have keep myself more contained because I'm more likely to say something out there to somebody that go, don't say that to me, (laughs) you know,
0: Mm.
1: I'm a little bit more open like that.
0: Yeah. Well, it's tough to figure out who you can say certain things to, especially when you don't know, when we don't have context. And that's, we're in an era now where we just don't know all the answers. Whereas if it's someone that you met on like FetLife, FetLife is like the kinky Facebook kind of, it's a kinky social network, you know? So if you're meeting someone there, you probably are allowed to talk about more kinky stuff, but if you've met someone at a coffee shop, I don't make assumptions. I try to not talk about my sex life out in the world unless somebody else initiates it, or when when they go, "What kind of podcast do you have?" and I say, "Oh, a sex podcast," and then
1: they're like interested. Those are kind of the, the things I look for.
0: Lastly, do you have a sex question for me?
1: I'm awkward with things. You're talking about like dental dam for safe sex and all those kind of things. I just don't understand all that and how do you go about that without you know offending a woman it's like no hold on just a second you know it's like you don't believe me that you know i'm clear it's like because i love to give head but that you know scares me it's like i'm supposed to use a dental dam i've never done anything like that
0: i find dental dams difficult to use i have used them my most successful enjoyable session that i had with a partner with a dental dam was like we made it about how hot the fact that we weren't touching was going to be So it was because it really was sensation. Now, I have a very sensitive clitoris that when there is a barrier over it or even just like panties, it's so hot. It's so hot for me. Holding the square is tough. So I really recommend this product called Laurels. And this is not they don't pay me. I just am a big fan. And I interviewed the founder, Melanie Crystal, on a Sex at Work episode last year. So they are natural rubber latex panties. You can just pull them on. And have full coverage. And for me, it makes it more about just like safety. It makes me more likely to receive. It means that they can like lick around my butthole without me necessarily needing to know every single detail of their saliva history. I do try to make sure that the saliva stays away depending on how well I know them just because like that's the whole point of using a barrier is keeping away those juices down there. But I think You know, it takes some practice, but I think just speaking to it and being like, I've never used this before. Do you want to help me try it? Or do you want to be my test subject? Those are some ways that I've gotten into stuff that I felt nervous about being particularly nerdy or judged about. And then also, I don't know, if someone's super weirded out by stuff, in my experience, they usually just poof away. And I've gotten really comfortable with that because I do assert boundaries. But I feel like vagina owners are mostly just going to get really turned on by the fact that you are prioritizing their safety. I know the thing I hear from women when I talk to them about health and safety conversations is that they rarely have a man bring it up. But all of the ladies I know personally think it's super fucking hot when we don't have to do all the emotional labor of like, hey, can I please make sure I'm safe? You know, so experiment. Try it. Laurels, L-O-R-A-L-S. If you go to mylaurels.com, you can buy them. They're really great. They're comfy. And they stretch into all shapes and sizes. So it's also good for anyone with any number of body parts, any kind of any shape of body parts to use if they're curious about getting their asshole licked. For some people, too, it also helps with the feeling of like, oh, it's too personal if your face is down there. But if they're wearing these little panties, then it's easier. It's so much easier than a dental dam. Dental dams are hard to carry. They come in a pack. They fall open like health and safety was not set up for female pleasure. But you could be the person that helps us change that, you know, all of us together. <laughs> so that's my two cents on those things. Marty, thank you so much for being a guest on the show.
1: It's been my pleasure. I've actually enjoyed it, so and I enjoy listening to your shows. Thank you. Ah, hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne.